0: Welcome back to Biblical Book Review. I'm Kevin. I'm Alec. And I'm George. We are so happy you are joining us for today's study. Last week, we wrapped up the four-parter, chapter 9. This week, we get into chapter 10. What does chapter 10 have to
1: offer, George? Well, Jesus is going to warn the disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And it's an interesting play on words and as far as using leaven as an illustration. Of course, as many of us and the disciples obviously did not understand exactly what he was talking about. But we'll get into that, and Jesus is going to explain the danger of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees.
0: So we're talking about bread. Bread today? N- no. <laughs> oh, isn't that what leaven is? Like you're talking about bread? That's exactly
1: the problem the disciples had. So yeah. you're in good company.
2: <laughs> but you know, you can kind of see their confusion. They just got done witnessing the feeding of the 5,000, the the next feeding, and then Jesus goes into this whole uh, sermon there at the synagogue about the bread of life and like all these different things that he's talking about with bread, 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 and then all of a sudden he's like, beware of their leaven and their exact mindset goes right to, okay, are we just, are we still talking about bread here? <laughs> what are we talking about, Jesus? <laughs> and, but yeah, I love how A.B. Bruce kind of breaks it down
0: here and we'll get into it in the chapter, but it's not about bread. <laughs> yeah. Well, and before we get too far into it, how Jesus's popularity came back, right? Cause the last thing we talked about, he kind of, they're like, what, this is weird. We're all leaving. And all of a sudden now the masses are back. and We're talking about bread.
1: <laughs> and of course it's a, pendulum it swings back and forth in his ministry and it goes from John 666 there and he they left him and all of a sudden not all of a sudden but through the weeks that follow they return and they return in mass and they come back and he is popular again and so there's this swing back and forth we go and they want to hear him preach they want to experience his healing power they want to they want to see these things these Miracles, and they're they're fascinated by this one, and so they return. And of course, there in Matthew 15, they're uh, they're so engrossed that they forget about their food, their daily requirement of food. And Jesus feeds another four thousand men, uh, and then has to leave them and and take off uh, to the other side. And so it's it's an interesting uh, turn of events as Jesus' popularity returns.
0: They went three days without eating to listen to Jesus watching him perform miracles. I couldn't go three hours with you two without eating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, we are talking about a spiritual problem here. <laughs> no, just, I just. I, I Let's mean, go back to chapter nine. Obviously. Sifting, obviously, <laughs> right. It's a joke. It's a joke.
0: But it really is amazing how you think about these, these people and how. Drawn and engrossed into Jesus and his teaching three days of this, and not even worrying about their stomachs so that's that's pretty impressive yeah it's
2: uh it 's a testament to just how awesome it must have been to see Jesus in person uh, and that just baffles me the you know these people that come and and the question they ask you know show us a sign it 's like <laughs> Where have you been this whole time? Where have you been? This is like they're so engrossed with all of the signs and wonders that Jesus has been performing, they're not even worried about eating food. Show us a sign. It's just a ridiculous uh, uh, question that they come and ask Jesus.
1: And it's interesting that uh, A.B. Bruce brings out this the difference between their perception of a sign from heaven versus a sign. On Earth, and I had never really thought about the distinction. You know, there in chapter sixteen, verse one, show us a sign from heaven. And of course, they they attributed the signs that Jesus was performing—the healing and and the feeding and the, these these physical signs on Earth—they attributed those to Satan of all things. And and Jesus is just going to say, "How about no?" I'm not going to. (laughs) You can ask all you want. You can demand all you want. But how about no?
2: Yeah, and I never thought about it either, just reading through this and the idea of they had classified these types of miracles. There were certain miracles that were signs from heaven. You know, this Moses or Elijah with the, with the fire from heaven, thunder and rain being called down by uh, Samuel, or manna from heaven uh, with uh, them wandering in the wilderness. These were all these signs from heaven, but these so-called earthly signs that Jesus was performing with feeding people and healing people and doing these things, they were like, well, that's not heavenly in nature. That's just a earthly thing, and so the only explanation is, well, it must be from the devil. It's like, well... I don't know how they got there. I don't know how their minds classified these signs into different categories and not just saying, well, he's able to perform these miraculous things that are divine in nature. They're against the natural order of things, so therefore they must be from God. Instead, they they classify him and they attribute him to something other than God. And I don't know how they got there, but I can see it. <laughs> I can see it in the scripture of where they are and— when they come to this question of, you know, show us a sign, where their minds, the, the cogs in their minds are, are, are turning, they're like, we're looking for something specific, and you haven't performed it yet, Jesus. That's why they're blind to all the other things that Jesus has already been doing, because they're looking for something specific.
0: Well, and I wonder if it's also, at the time, you had the demons and all the different things, like supernatural on earth may not have been that uncommon, right? We have the other side of that coin, too. And, you know, I don't know this for a fact. I'm just, you know, sitting here listening to Alec. Made me think, well, there's something that they've seen that was the opposite of that that makes them wonder or makes them question. Even though all this is for good, you think, hey, this is all for good. It's not for bad. You would assume that everything on the other side is for bad, right? I don't know.
1: And so what we have to understand, as the power of Jesus is being displayed on earth, and through his entire ministry, when it began, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased at his baptism, and then all through his ministry, the, the power of Jesus is being displayed in full. And Satan is trying to live up to or gain that same power, and he's, he's working through demon possession. He's working through uh, these uh, horrible things on other people, on, on these people that have You know, all these things that are described as possession, and he's making the attempt to rise up to that same power level and, of course, fails. He never quite makes it. And so all these things are leading the Jews to understand that Jesus is not who he claims to be. And so when Jesus says, I'm not going to give you another sign, he understands that the more signs they get, the harder their heart will be. And so A.B. Bruce kind of breaks it down into three, and I I love how he does this. He says, Jesus would not condescend to work miracles of any description, merely as, number one, certificates of his own messiahship, or, number two, to furnish food for a superstitious appetite, or, number three, just materials of amusement to skeptics. He says, I'm not doing it. And there's a reason. He says... Even if I do these things that you demand, your heart will not change. This is a heart problem. They saw the signs. They ignored the the conclusion of the signs. They were unwilling to accept the conclusion. He is who he claims to be, the Son of God. Yeah, it's, they
2: had already made up in their minds what they were going to believe, whether or not they saw a sign from heaven or not. They had already decided that they're not going to change. They're going to stay with their status quo. They don't want to relinquish their power. They don't want to relinquish their control. They don't want to relinquish their idea of what the Messiah is or how to worship God or any of these other things that Jesus was challenging them on. And Jesus can see right to the heart of the issue, literally. they can. He can see where their hearts are, and he knows that even if he did, you know, bend over for them and say, I'm going to do whatever it is you ask of me. I'm going to show you signs from heaven. I'm going to call down fire from heaven, and I'm going to present you with manna. I'm going to do everything that you're claiming is a sign from heaven. He knows that they're already hardened in their hearts to a point to where even if they showed him, he showed them that, it would have been worthless. It would have done absolutely nothing. And so Jesus, you can see Jesus' is kind of dismay here. He uh, he knows and he sees the problem is the heart, and their heart and heart, and in this idea of just kind of going through the hoops and being this kind of trained monkey, so to speak, do do the do the parlor trick. Come on, do it, Jesus, you can do it. And it's like, well, you're missing the entire point of what these miracles were supposed to do. And they're called signs for a reason. They point to something. They're pointing to the message. They're pointing to. His divinity as God, and if they're refusing to see that, then they are worthless. They do nothing, and Jesus can see that, and you can see the dismay.
0: Yeah, but do we do this sometimes in our lives, where we have something going on, something terrible that we're, you know, maybe praying for someone who's super sick or something that's happening? We're like, well, Jesus, if you just if you just save this one, then I'll change every, I'll do whatever. You're trying to bargain with yourself. That's not the point. The point is start to sorry be living that way and then to know and have that peace that Jesus is gonna do what he needs to do because he is who he says he is, not be, hey, just do this for me this once and then I'll be the you know that, that person I know I need to be
1: for you. Well, how about you just be that person and trust Jesus? And Mark brings out the uh how Jesus felt. He sighed deeply in his spirit. And I think Alec mentioned this, his perturbment, his Disappointment, and the way Mark describes that in Mark chapter eight, verse twelve of the same account, he sighed deeply in his spirit. He he saw something coming, and it was not good. These these people were about to experience something horrible, and then he answers them uh, with the the obvious thing where we look at the weather we look at the sky we say well red sky in the morning sailor take warning you know we have these sayings even in our language and it was the same then he says you can you can determine the kind of weather just by looking at the signs in the sky you just look up and you go oh it looks like it's clouding up it looks like it's going kind to of storm yep it, here it comes and you can understand those signs and yet you miss the the big sign and jesus is standing in their presence he's performing these miracles in their presence and they miss the most obvious sign in this dreadful storm of judgment as ab bruce describes it it's it's coming and there's a problem with the entire nation of israel and it's her sin and jesus wants them to repent so desperately and yet calls them out. He even mentions uh, in Mark, he says, you wicked and adulterous generation. What what a horrible epitaph of an entire nation, of an entire generation, wicked and adulterous.
2: Yeah, and the way that A.B. Bruce kind of describes this, this idea of wicked is that characterized their false-hearted, malevolent, and spiteful behavior towards himself, speaking of Jesus, and then he employed the term Adulterous to describe them in a relationship with God, guilty of breaking their marriage covenant, pretending great love and zeal with their lips, but in their heart and life turning away from the living God to idols, forms, ceremonies, and signs. He gives them the story of Jonah for a prophet of a sign in a mystic allusion to his death, meaning to say that one of the most reliable evidences that he was God's servant indeed was just the fact that he was rejected. (laughs) I mean, it's beautiful the way he writes it, but this idea of they're wicked, they they don't have the morality that God has established for them, and they're adulterous. They have broken their covenant with God, serving other idols, and just the fact that he is rejected outright should be a sign enough for them to understand that this is God.
0: (laughs) It's hard to see anything else when you're just focused on yourself. And what you're going to get.
1: And so Jesus gets in uh, the ship or the boat and leaves kind of just to get away from this. I mean, just to get him and his apostles, his disciples, his apostles to be away from this, this evil. And then sort of, and it, it takes some time. I mean, you get in a, you get in a ship and maybe you've got a sail maybe it's uh maybe it's a calm day you've got to row across uh, the sea we we would look at that and call it more of a, a more of a large lake but it would take some time and so uh the apostles the disciples are with jesus they're in this this boat and they're making their way across the sea of galilee and it's almost like there's no conversation you know they're kind of lost in their thoughts and we When we just returned from Honduras, we all get back in the airplane and we just kind of just sit there (laughs) and we're kind of lost in our thoughts. We're we're thinking about what we've accomplished, what we've done, what's coming up, what we're going to be doing. And so we're kind of lost in thought and and just have that same picture in your mind as they get in this boat and they go across uh, the the Sea of Galilee. And when they arrive, they, they begin their their journey again on foot. And all of a sudden it's seemingly out of nowhere, Jesus says, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Boom, it's kind of like this, this bomb just kind of drops in, and he just gives it to the disciples, and he says, You need to beware of this, the, the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And of course, it went right past them, went right over their heads, and m- they missed everything but Jesus wants us to understand what that is. And so let's take a few minutes and and glean that information as A.B. Bruce kind of lays it out, beginning there in about page 158.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if your uh, wives do the same thing, but uh, my wife does this. Uh, She'll be having a conversation in her own mind, and then she'll enter the room and finish the conversation with me and— <laughs> it's like I was in the conversation the whole time, but I was not. And then she's expecting an answer. And I go, I wasn't privy to the beginning of this conversation. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and this is exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's having this, he's mulling it over in his head. He's thinking about the future. He's thinking about the response here. He's thinking about the signs. He's, he's, Distraught, he's perturbed, he's disappointed. All these things, emotions are going through his mind, and it's almost like he's having this eternal internal dialogue. And then abruptly looks up at the disciples and says, "Beware, <laughs> take heed." And they're like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking about? We weren't a part of the beginning of this conversation, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm so confused of what's actually happening." But if you're if you break it down, you can kind of see where Jesus's mind is at here but sitting in the, in the seat of the apostles here, I can see how it can just kind of go whoop right over their heads because they're, you know, they're probably maybe having other conversations or they're focusing on their rowing or sailing. And, you know, all these other things that are going through their minds. Maybe their stomachs are grumbling because they're hungry, you know, all these different things. Then all of a sudden Jesus drops them with this, you know, this truth bomb and they and they miss it. They miss the point entirely, but, uh, we'll break it down here, but that's kind of where their mindset is at, and it just kind of reminded me of conversations, and maybe you've had something similar uh, with family or other people where seemingly out of the blue you're just, what, I missed the beginning of this conversation somewhere, (laughs) and they just had it in their own mind. That's kind of what's going on here.
1: I'm not going to admit to that. My wife (laughs) listens to this. (laughs) (laughs) But the, the influences of the Pharisees and Sadducees it's deadly and you know when when our kids are growing up uh we're we're careful we say uh you know leaves of three leave a bee you know don't be going messing around with that poison ivy don't go uh you know eating that fruit from that tree why because it's it's deadly we don't want you touching it we don't want you messing with it and it's same thing with jesus and his closest followers he says this is a deadly influence and this entire time that you're living in is deadly and you need to be aware of it and of course they missed that but jesus is going to really bring it home he's going to say okay let's talk about these pharisees let's talk about these sadducees let's talk about these herodians let's talk about how they are all really part of the same problem with understanding who jesus is and refusing uh, to accept that he is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And so this warning is of the deadly influence of this leaven.
0: Well, and the fact that it's it's leaven that's used here, it just makes so much sense. I mean, obviously, Jesus knew what he was talking about, but if you, you know, we grow up, we are being passed down, you know, the next generation, next generation, as far as the church goes, it's so easy just to take what is already going, right? It's hard to build your own leaven, your own sourdough starter, but that's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, hey, you need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because if you just take someone else's leaven, then it's going to go throughout your entire life. It's going to go throughout all the spirituality. And you got to be careful with that because it goes everywhere. Make sure that what you are using in your life is truth, is from God. Even if you have to start it yourself, you have to feed it, you have to keep it at the right temperature, all these different things that we know about leaven, instead of just saying, you know, I'll take the easy road. And I'm going to go ahead and just take, you know, leaven from the Pharisees or maybe leaven from the Sadducees, and maybe I'll mix both of those together. Well, they're both bad. Sometimes it has to, we have to take the time, take the work, build our own leaven, and then we know it's from the scripture, from Jesus. Yeah, and I, you know, never really thought about it the way that A.B.
2: Bruce kind of describes it here as well, uh, but, you know, this idea of Phariseeism and Sh- Sadduceism and Herodianism, <laughs> you know, all these words that he's using here, uh, they you know, they're different, and they would consider themselves as opposites. You know, if you would talk to a Pharisee and a Sadducee, they would say, well, we are completely different. We are opposite. The Pharisees are strict legalism, and the Sadducees would a little bit more liberal in their understanding of how to serve God. But what Jesus is describing here is they're in the same camp. They are opposed to the divine kingdom, and they are all worldly-minded. And so... They may be opposite in their own minds, and they may think they're battling out in this idea, uh, battleground, where they say, well, this is how we should serve God. No, this is how we should serve God. What Jesus is saying, if they are opposed to the divine kingdom, if they are just worldly minded, they are in the same camp. They are to be avoided. They The leaven is the same. This idea of just, we must serve God the way that God wants to be served, not the way that well, I'm going to take a little bit here. I'm going to take a little bit here. I'm going to take a little bit here. I'm going to make my own religion out of all of this and say, well, this is what God wants and disregard what he has said. (laughs) And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Beware of, beware of this uh, because you may think, well, I'm, I'm like a Pharisee. I'm legalistic to the bone. I I'm serving. I'm reading the scripture. I'm doing exactly what it says. Or I'm like the Sadducees here where I'm, I'm a little bit more liberal in my understanding and I take, you know, some of my own thoughts in here and just kind of, uh, resurrection, not really a real thing, you know, <laughs> these type of things that the Sadducees were talking about here. And we have to find that pendulum of, okay, what does God want and the extremes on either side are both in error. We must find the true path, and that's only what that's what Jesus is describing here.
1: The extremes meet. The left and the right, it it sounds similar to our society today. We have, you know, the right wing and the left wing in our, you know, political, uh, uh, s- uh, political situation. But I heard an old Indian trick. You know, the left <laughs> wing and the right wing. Guess what? It's the same bird. Left wing, right wing. Guess what? It's the same bird. And it's like... Pharisees, Sadducees, completely different. They despised each other, except on their disagreement with Christ. The Pharisees, worldly-minded. Sadducees, worldly-minded. Pharisees, Sadducees, opposed to Christ. They, they wanted to test him. Unreasonable demands. They, they set up these tests. And, of course, they all joined in with his death. And it's like, okay, no wonder, Jesus would say, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And like Kevin was saying, it permeates through the entire society. And if you do not differ radically from both extremes, being, you know, this Pharisee that does everything by the book or the Sadducee that says, we're just going to let it ride. You know, (laughs) we're just going to, and that pendulum again, we're back to that pendulum. These people are back and forth and it does that in families we have uh, evidence of you know if if the old man is is really strict then the children rebel and they they're really less strict and then because they're so loosey-goosey then their children become strict and back and forth we go and we have all of this and I believe uh, it's it's a continuous activity and so as Kevin or Alec mentioned this idea of of being true to the word going back to what does it say how can I differ radically from you know this extremism either side from being so liberal that you can just do whatever you want or being so conservative that you can't do anything there's got to be some medium or medium some place in the middle where Jesus says this is truth. Look for and hold on to truth.
2: Yeah, and I like the way that uh, A.B. Bruce basically sums this up. He says, "...thus the two tendencies continue, ever propagating each other, of, <clears throat> each other on the principle of action and reaction. One generation or school going all lengths in one direction... And another making a point of being as unlike its predecessor or its neighbor as possible and both being equally far away from the truth. <laughs> we we get into these battles of, well, I'm going to fight against, I'm I'm not liberal. And I'm going to go to the, the extreme the other direction or the other way. It's like, I'm not this legalistic. I'm going to go extreme in the other way. And A.B. Bruce is describing it here as if you're extreme on either side, <laughs> you're you're equally far away from the truth. The truth is right down the middle. That's where the truth lies. And we need to be working towards how do I be as as legalistic as possible, confined in the truth of God, and how do I be as liberty as possible, confined in the truth of God, and how do I balance these two and lead a life that's pleasing to God as opposed to just I'm going to be opposite of them i'm going to be opposite of this person and i'm going to battle my entire life to not be like them it's like well our our goal should be to try to strive to be like christ we're trying to be like somebody not trying to be against something and so that's the that's the problem that's this leaven that can leak into our thinking that jesus is describing here to be aware of because it can permeate our very existence it can the leaven is so a tiny part of the bread but it's so
1: important uh, to get right. <laughs> Otherwise, you botch the whole batch. <laughs> and so the problem with both, with both left and right, with both Pharisees, Sadducee, with the problem, the problem is ungodliness. A.B. Bruce describes it as the radical vice, blindness and deadness of heart to the divine. And so with, with that, even if Jesus would perform daily Signs and miracles, and, and do all these things that they demanded, they were still blind and dead. A new sign wasn't going to make any difference, more evidence wouldn't make any difference. The problem was they were unwilling to obey the truth, and that's the same problem today. I mean, that's why Jesus makes this point, and not only to his disciples that are there with him that day but with us his disciples in the 21st century don't be dead and blind to the signs there are plenty of signs there's plenty of evidence open your mind open your eyes and look at the signs and then you can make that stand and you can be saying i'm going to obey the truth
0: yeah and i think it's important here to also mention how the apostles took this from jesus they they didn't understand it and that could be us today maybe you're not far left far right you know politically spiritually whatever you're you know right in the middle there but they didn't understand that they needed to beware and i think we need to make sure that we understand what jesus is telling us in that spiritual sense too to be on guard and the apostles were like well we have a loaf of bread here are we not supposed to eat it or is this not like enough They got confused and they were stuck in the earthly side of it. They were focused on here and now and not thinking about the kingdom. Even though they weren't left and right, they still weren't in the right spot mentally. And that is where we can find ourselves. Yeah, maybe I'm not so legalistic that I'm binding everything that doesn't need to be bound. And I'm not so liberal that everything goes. But am I focused on my building my life here now on this earth and having the things I want now in the Comforts of now, or am I looking towards the kingdom? And am I trying to build that and work towards that, realizing and trusting in God that what He says is true and that He will be faithful and that I need to work towards those things and not, you know, disregard my earthly pleasures? Yeah. As par
2: for the course, the disciples are thinking physical, they're missing the spiritual application. And this is something that we. You know, as physical beings, I mean, I don't know about you, I'm I'm a physical person, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I think physically, uh, and and I can see the disciples' mistake here. They're, Jesus mentioned something about bread. We just had a conversation about feeding the 5,000. He just talked about the living bread, you know, the bread of life and all these different things, and bread, 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 and then they're still focusing on the physical aspect of the bread. Should we buy bread? Bread or eat the bread that the Pharisees and Sadducees sell. It's like Jesus. I can see the disappointment in Jesus's you know eyes here. He goes, <sighs> "You're still thinking physical. We need to get beyond the physical, and we need to think spiritually. We need to think eternally. We need to think the kingdom of God, not this physical aspect of our lives here and now, as you're describing, Kevin, and this idea of okay." How do, I, how do I look at this leaven in a spiritual mindset? It's almost like a parable that Jesus is using here, something that we understand what leaven does physically, but how do I apply that spiritually is what Jesus is trying to get across. And they missed it, but I'm glad they did because then Jesus can <laughs> explain it. He can give us the answer,
1: the truth. And Jesus would even bring this up in that famous Sermon on the Mount. He says, seek first his kingdom and His righteousness. And these things that you worry about, what do I eat? You know, do we bring enough bread? (laughs) Am I supposed to buy bread from the Pharisees, the Sadducees? Wait, where am I I getting my bread? No. Seek first His kingdom. And those things that we are anxious about, those things that we're concerned about on this earth, like Alec mentioned, being a physical being, well, God says, I got you. (laughs) Trust me. And that's why Jesus would say, and with the phrase, you have little faith, build your faith, put your faith in God. And the one way to do that, the only way to do that is to put his word into your mind. And it's not going to come osmosis. It's not going to just filter in uh, uh, accidentally. It's going to take some effort. You're going to have to actually open that book. You're actually going to have to read that book. You're going to have to start ingesting that information, and then, most importantly, like the brother of our Lord would say, not only listening to it, but doing what is said. Okay, here's, here's what God's Word says. Now it's up to me to do it. And another way to put that is trust and obey. <laughs> there's, there's the way. And Jesus says to these guys, He says, I can't believe it. I can't believe that even my closest disciples are still misunderstanding and you're thinking in one direction, it's so far off that you forget the most important thing, the spiritual aspect. And so, of course, Jesus is going to blame them. And A.B. Bruce says it was blameworthy. They needed to be reprimanded, and he did. And like Alex said, I'm glad they did make that mistake because I make that mistake, and we make that mistake. And so we need to be blamed, and then we need to make the the necessary adjustment in our life.
0: Yeah, and I think we need to stop listening to the lie of the devil. I had this conversation yesterday with someone about consistency is key in studying. Daily studying is key. Even if it's not a long duration, they've done studies that, you know, someone trying to learn the guitar. If they spent 20 minutes a day, it's better than if they did two hours a week in one sitting. 20 minutes a day across that week is way more conducive for learning. So we can take this now into our, our habits of spiritually learning and realize that, yeah, I may think that, oh, I only got 5, 10 minutes. Well, open up your Bible for 5, 10 minutes. That's more important than saying, well, I'm going to wait until I can give it, you know, the proper amount of time or until I can really do it justice. Well, how many times? I mean, I'm guilty of that. Well, I don't really have time to really dig into the Scripture right now. so And then you skip it, and then you skip it. And then before you know it, you've gone a week without even opening the Bible. No, consistency is key. Get in there, read, even if it's just five minutes.
2: Yeah, and I I find it uh, providential uh, that God describes his word as food, spiritual food. And what do we do every day? (laughs) Uh, At least I do. Breathe. 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 Uh, I eat. (laughs) I eat, uh, you know, at least three times a day, (laughs) if not more. You know, and it's like this, I I mean, just look at me. (laughs) This idea of, I'm going to eat, and I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat. And it's the same thing with our spiritual diet as well. If we go too long fasting and and we we leave it out, uh, then it's just, we could just learn to go without. Uh, And that's just... That's dangerous. That's unhealthy. Uh, That's spiritual death. Uh, And so we need to continually be feeding, even if
1: it's a small meal. (laughs) And as Jesus would uh, look at his disciples, how different, A.B. Bruce says, were the thoughts of Christ in reference to the future from the thoughts of his companions. And it reminded me immediately of Isaiah 55 Uh, Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so we need to look toward the scripture first, and then, you know, tackle what the earth and what the world is throwing at us. I mean, that's, we do it backwards. We, we respond to what the earth is doing, what the world is doing, how they're influencing us, instead of starting with the scripture. And if we we did that, I, I saw a cartoon with uh, Linus and and Lucy, you know, the Peanuts characters, and she said, ooh, she's looking out through a rainy day, and she goes, oh, I'm, I'm kind of worried about, you know, we might get flooded out, the world might get completely flooded, and Linus says, uh, it's... The Bible tells us he's never going to do that again. And she says, oh, what a relief. And then he says, you know, good theology has a way of, of handling that. I mean, that's where we should go first. We should go first to the Scripture. What does it say? And then what is the world trying to tell us? Well, generally speaking, the world's just lying. They don't, either they don't know or they know, and it's just a bald-faced bold, lie. It's like, well, go back to what the Scripture says how different Christ's thoughts were than the thoughts of his companions. We leave
0: you with these questions. Material things preoccupied the minds of the disciples. They should have been more focused on the things of God and his interests. Could this be said of you? Are you focused more on everyday things of life than on the things of the kingdom? Jesus warned the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What might he be warning you about today? Thank you so much for joining us for this week's study. Yeah,
2: thank you very much.